Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at nomcastpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Crackin' When Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we'll put a shot to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on... Yet another DC animated podcast. Welcome to yet another episode, yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year How Anansi Captured the Tiger and Other Stories was released as a hardcover book. <laughs> oh my, all right, that is perfect. You told me it was going to be perfect, but that was even way better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> You know what? Sometimes it's just a magical year. That's 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 it. At the end of the day, it's a magical year where a lot of things happened. <laughs> it really is. And it's funny because that's actually one of the things that I'm going to add in for my comic book knowledge, too, because in today's episodes, we're talking about the next three episodes of season three, three, four and five titled Static in Africa, Shebang and the Usual Suspect. Uh, this is also a really just cool setup because it's like really expanding out. We're taking Static on a worldwide tour now here, or at least with the first episode. Um, so because of, of the opportunity that he's getting a chance to meet so many new people and playing fields and everything, we got to call this one the DLC pack. <laughs> <laughs> so we got our main cast of Static is back and we got special, special, special guest stars today. With Carl Lumbly, aka the Martian Manhunter from the Justice League show, who also you might have seen recently in the Falcon and Winter Soldier, sorry, Captain America and Winter Soldier series. Uh, as he played Isaiah Bradley there, he is here with us today as Anansi, the superhero crime fighter based in Africa. Next, we have Michael J. White, who plays Bronze Tiger in every DC production known to man, but today he is voicing. <laughs> Um, Osebo, which funny thing is when you look at the character design, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I think so. Conceptually, it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next, we got you saw his performance in Good Time, Sanford and Son, A Different World. But today, Roscoe Lee Brown is voicing Dr. Anoki, 
whose voice you also might remember as the Kingpin in the animated Spider-Man series from the 90s. Oh, it all comes comes around, comes around. Yep. Wrapping it up, we got Rosalind Taylor-Jordan as Shebang, who will be introduced in our Shebang episode, and D. Bradley Baker, who pretty much voices the monsters in The Usual Suspect. And finally, we had to save the last actor for this one because we're saving the last dance here for Sean Patrick Thomas as he voices voices Marcus Reed in the usual suspect episode. This is this is, uh, you know, it's Black History Month all month, but uh, I think this is our officially our Black History Month episode because. (laughs) Yeah, this is it all. This whole list is black, y'all. It's black, y'all. It's black and black. It's black, (laughs) y'all. So starting off with our first episode today, we got Static in Africa, where we see the Hawkins family are traveling on the airplane, much like Air Jamaica, uh, as they're heading to Africa right now. Yeah, and this is a notable return because it the first couple of episodes don't have Static's family in it at all. And so this is a nice thing to see his family come back. And right away, Static seeing into the future, he had to get a lot of vaccinations to come to Africa. And he's like, he got them all in his arm. So, uh, you know, Static is pro-vax. I can't can't imagine how that plays into current times. But, you know, uh, you know, be like Static out there. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> as they land in Africa, their dad is giving them a bunch of facts. And as kids they are, they get on their CD players, the ancient Discmans. And <laughs> as they cruise into Africa for the first time. Yeah, and it's amazing because they get a chance to see all the historical information about Africa, really just diving into the cultural experiences. Uh, one real cool thing that they did is a really nice setup was as they're talking about W.E.B. Du Bois being buried in Ghana and they're talking about his belief in Pan-Africanism, Static or Virgil is just like having this like montage as he sees every single person in Africa just talking and interacting with one another. And that really helps to influence the conversation that he has with Richie. Once that everybody is asleep, Virgil decides to head out to fly around the um, African grasslands to really call Richie to let him know what's going on. And it's a really great conversation to have that I was not expecting to be dropped in like the first three minutes of this episode. A hundred percent agree. I, I want to say quick before we get the content of the conversation, the video game Richie was playing looked dope. Like I oh, wanted, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there were 3D character models, people flying around the screen. It was like, what is this dynamic fighting game? How'd you do this? This was probably Injustice 2 or probably had like a lead cut of Injustice 3 all the way back then. <laughs> I mean, Injustice 3 can't even do this. I mean, <laughs> so, it was crazy, but I do agree. It's a, uh, Virgil is calling to to remark on his experience and feelings being in Africa. And he said, it's, I, it feels like I've been carrying this weight and now it's gone. Here, I'm not a black kid. I'm just a kid. Is this how it feels for you all the time, Richie? Yeah, that's deep. It's amazing just to hear that because this is really the first time that we ever heard Virgil kind of, I guess, really enjoy his blackness in a way hearing his joy and just saying that like I can I'm just a kid that's what I am like I see so many people like me and we know that Dakota is very diverse and you know it's probably most likely an area that has a lot of black people but seeing this deepened connection that he's now having while being in Africa is just really 
enlightening for him and enlightening for us and people who are watching this. And his journey continues as he's now prepping for the next day. The family, the Hawkins family is headed on over to uh, Kumasi, where we see now in the background, there's this mysterious masked figure who's watching them. Yeah, because, you know, even if he's in Dakota, it doesn't matter where he goes. He just has to stumble upon some kind of supervillain conspiracy. <laughs> and while they're talking to a professor on a train, it's revealed that we have a new villain in town. And I'm sorry, Carmen Dillo, but your days as the king head of animals is over because we got a new player <laughs> in the wings. <laughs> yes, we got the most deadliest looking cat I've ever seen in my life. As Osebo comes through, he lands on top of the speeding moving train, claws his way through. And Dr. Anoki is trying to protect this briefcase that he has, but he's clearly stopped by the one, the only, Anansi, who is just cracking all the jokes. Virgil is loving it because here he gets a chance to see Anansi in action, who just seems so cool. Like, he even tries to get him to do cool things. Like, there's a really great nod to um, just, like, the origin and the conception of Static as Virgil asks for Anansi to shoot out a web shooter, a web blast to um to trap sable and he was just like i'm not that kind of spider <laughs> yeah i i love i love that uh that exchange because you know because uh, anansi has so much his powers are so much cooler than just webs too because right after it we see that he can make create an illusion that makes it look like he dissolved the floor of the train and it looks mm-hmm. like the evil black panther is just running on tracks but it's all an illusion and then in addition you see anansi can also basically run on any surface so he can run up the sides of trains like anything so he has a pretty impressive power set to begin with so unfortunately though because of osebo or evil black panther which i think i'm gonna suck all in now (laughs) He has a whole crew working alongside him and they are they've taken over the train. They are they have um, just basically not only the way the train is going, but also the the rails that are, ha- that are outside. And they're also operating a helicopter, which it gives Anansi enough time to get distracted to try to stop the train because they cut the brakes. And also now Sable's able to grab the briefcase that Dr. Anoki had and take it and fly out with it on the helicopter so now it's up to Nancy and Virgil who once again has to protect his secret identity to stop the train and it's really just awesome to see that again Virgil is just leveling up each time even though no one catches him using his powers he does generate a electrical hold over the the wheels and the brakes of the train causing it to slow down so they don't fall off into the cliff that for some reason, the tracks led to. Yeah, I, I know it's like the path you don't go on, but like even if the even if the there's two train paths, they have something at the end to stop right. this thing from happening. <laughs> it's they don't just stop at a cliff and give up. Like, why, why would they even build tracks to a cliff? It makes no sense. <laughs> but yeah, in any case, Static is so powerful here, stopping the train. And because he was fortunate enough to throw one of the trackers from the previous episode onto the evil Black Panther, he 
meets up with the Nazi. And I, I love this little scene where he does his Super Saiyan power up, but mm. in front of a person for the first time. <laughs> kind of like Ultra Instinct Gohan kind of thing. Is it? And his hair was just <laughs> waving the same way. That was even cooler. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like just going up. It, I love it. And I love it. And they they decide to team up. And just to make sure his family doesn't get distracted, Anansi creates this illusion that looks like Virgil is sleeping. So unfortunately, because Virgil is quote unquote sleeping, he doesn't get the African burger fool meal that he's looking for, that number 17. But he does get to explore with Anansi and they go off together in the coolest possible way. Yeah, this is I wasn't expecting them to do this. I thought maybe like Anansi had like a, an Anansi mobile or something. <laughs> But instead, what he does is as Virgil is flying on top of his disc, Anansi sticks to the bottom of it. So it's just really cool because this also ends up being a tactic, an attack that they use later on. Because as they um, key into the signal of the tracer, they fortunately are able to find where Evil Black Panther and his crew are held up. They're apparently trying to steal some dynamite because we learned that the map that he stole that was stolen is a map that leads to an Ashanti golden palace because the Ashanti people were really um, masterful goldsmiths. So they're trying to steal the gold, which is just a crazy, you know, like it's the most Indiana Jones theory, like story you could come up with, but I love it because it has static in a Nazi here. Yeah. They're just, they're just like, tell me where to go at. I need that. Right. gold. <laughs> and uh, this is one of the, this leads to one of the most gangster things I've ever seen a villain do, like in any medium, because when they first get in range of evil Black Panther, he, they're like, oh, you think you got to stop me? Evil Black Panther has lit dynamite in his pocket. <laughs> Ready to <Yo>. go. <laughs> that is gangster as hell. Like I was like, who does that? When were you going to use it if they didn't show up? <laughs> he was He's ready like, to just die. In case. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he throws it at them and they are buried temporarily in a rockalanche. But luckily they do survive because they're just that good <laughs> and continue their pursuit of the evil Black Panther. Yeah, so now they realize that the dynamite the tnt is going to be used to take out the dam that's surrounding uh the lake where the the map is going to be leading them to because they're they figure out that evil black panther wants to destroy the dam in order to remove all the water so that he could just get to the to the temple however all that water is going to end up going into a, a village close by killing hundreds according to Anansi. So they find they head right on over to right where the um the dam is at and they already see that the evil black panther and his crew are already putting the dynamite around and this is when they immediately jump into action. Static is able to turn on the lights to a point where everybody gets blinded and we get a chance to see how like swift and stealth and cool Anansi is as he's just easily taking 
down person after person. But now we see that uh, Evil Black Panther is alerted by this for one final confrontation between him, Anansi, and Static. Yeah, and Anansi had the advantage by using his shadow clone jutsu and creating multiple copies of himself. But uh, Evil Black Panther does have a detonator that threatens to go off. So Anansi reveals himself. And as he reveals himself, Static just comes in effortlessly just takes the detonator <laughs> away it, it's it's this is like tuesday for him and anansi gets backed up to the roof and appears to fall but it, it's a great great scene because it really does look like he falls he sells the fall but mm-hmm. in reality he can just stick to everything so once evil black panther leans too far anansi tosses him thankfully the guy doesn't die i mean i don't know how hardcore it is over there but he he doesn't die but he is messed up a bit and they can they can win the day by saving all the people yeah and now it's time for the hawkins they're trying to it's time for them to head back home now uh virtual's looking through some photos that they took while on this trip and it's just really reminiscent about just like this whole journey. They're joking about the fact that Sharon has bought basically all every single thing that she could think of when, while she was on this trip. And as they get a chance to see Virgil just alone by himself in the room, Anansi comes out of nowhere and he's just again sharing how thankful he is for the help that Virgil gave him during this whole endeavor. And this is when Virgil kind of expresses that he's thankful because he's never had an opportunity to see a black superhero as a role model. He really wishes that there was somebody like Anansi back home for him in Dakota. And not only just for him, but also for all of Dakota. And Anansi hits us with a line that for me just made this episode so amazing. Superheroes come in every color and Virgil wishes you know, that sentiment applied to one at home. And Nancy just says, I feel that way about you, Virgil, that you're the inspiration. You're the one who will be a hero to the people. You're the black representative. And I don't even know if the writers knew at that time how true of a statement that would be for so many of us, for so many black kids who wanted the black superhero for years who had to settle for evil Black Panther until Black Panther came out 16 years <laughs> or so after the fact, over this over a decade after this episode premiered. Yeah, this that that line of him being the beacon was is just so real. <laughs> it's 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 not even fiction. It is it's fact. He was static is the beacon, still remains to be. And that line just highlighted it. Yeah. So now that I'm just gonna take a step away because uh there's clearly a leak in my apartment we're gonna move on to shebang um uh we start off if we're back in dakota right now and the it's a it's night we see the rooftops of dakota are barely lit but we do see a shadowy figure come through of a new heroine from the behind the scenes she dons her cape she lowers her cowl she straps in her fingerless gloves all to the score of i'm so so fly Again, these song choices are killing me. They are absolutely. I'm going to be dead from the song choices alone. And she she has an opportunity to go into action right away because there are escaped floats. The wind is so intense in this episode that I legit was like, oh, it's that metahuman that controls the wind. He's doing Mm -hmm. this, right? (laughs) 
No. The wind in Dakota is approximately like 200 miles per hour. What is going on? <laughs> this is a really good question because I thought it was Slipstream also. And I was just like, so this is just uh, this is just glo- like global warming at work or something, I guess. <laughs> so as she tries to jump in and save them, um, Static and Gear have also jumped in. They're helping out the balloon technicians that are on the ground. A lot of them are being picked up by these balloons. They catch a couple of them. Unfortunately, though, one does get away with someone attached to it as Gear can't jump in to help because he's trapped under the inflatable cow that they were able to catch. And as Static tries to catch the guy who's also being taken away, the balloon hits him so hard that he ends up flying towards uh, one of the buildings. But luckily, Shebang comes through grab static and then she runs on over to catch the balloon again which she does successfully ultimately just saving the day for everybody yeah and you know Virgil's a little salty because he you know he <laughs> used to being the center of attention here but when the winds are this strong that you know there's not much you can do so the next day they're they're hanging out and they figure out find out there's going to be a new transfer to their school during this conversation, Richie also mentioned something about like coaching the soccer team. And he is like, Virgil, you could coach the soccer team and I'm going to hand out the towels. And immediately <laughs> I was like, hey, yo, Richie, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> calm down, boy. So I found out there's a reason for that. And it's uh, making me actually look back on all of Richie's dialogue. In the comics, Richie, he's actually his real name is um, Richard or Rick Stone in the comics. And in the comics, he does come out as gay. So what they were trying to do was attempt to make him so hyper masculine in his comments to kind of hide that fact in a way to kind of make it be like he's trying to be so super masculine to hide the fact that he has these other feelings. And this is why I was just like, I don't understand though why he needed to hand out the towels either way. But you know, I do kind of appreciate they had that little. That was the the that was the reason why they kind of they kind of did it mainly because it's just like it's it's kind of like the the how it's been in the past, especially during that time. It's like someone not wanting to accept their truth, but at the same time, it's like Richie, calm down, boy. <laughs> that does make sense. Overcompensating. Um, so this new student that helped spark the conversation is named Shanice, and she is invited to the big bowling competition that you know we happens every every year in dakota apparently <laughs> that we've never heard of before but all right and yeah yeah so shanice is there and she's bowling a perfect game and everyone's cheering the crowd is going nuts and i'm this did leave me the question that since shanice is on a team and she's bowling a perfect game that's great but how bad is the team average it there's no way she can win this by herself in bowling. That's just not how that works. The whole team has to be good. <laughs> so how bad is the team average right now? We, uh, dang, it's got to be pretty low because even the fact that the, what's even worse is the guys were losing, which means that <laughs> theirs was even lower. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, how could it all hinge on her scoring one? Like, where would her teammates do it? <laughs> All color balls going into the other lane. Somebody definitely was more focused on putting those like weird joke names in there, like poo and but clearly that's what was taking up their time. So while they're 
playing this game and she's getting ready to throw her final strike, we see that Shanice's parents have come by. They are saying that they've come to pick her up and everybody's just thrilled over the fact that like her parents get a chance to see her succeed in this way. However, we can tell that there's something off about her parents because as they're looking at each other, it seems like Shanice is scared. She doesn't want to to do this anymore. And we see that uh, her dad ends up shaking his head no, which Virgil catches. And immediately as she throws the ball, it immediately goes into the gutter, just breaking the hearts of all the fans that are out there hoping for her for her win. Um, you know, this was basically, I'm pretty sure, the same way that the Dallas Cowboy fans felt in this last this last playoff match. So it was very heartbreaking for everybody just to see um, Shanice fail in this way. Yeah, sorry, sorry, about the Cowboys, but you know, <laughs> all love, all love, all love for the for the Dallas Cowboys. But like, you know, I'm I'm just saying it was very heartbreaking for y'all. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, it's fun because in these situations, you never know what how things can turn out. But it was a nice little, nice little mystery nod, and then we get to another scene. These static episodes have been really great at predicting the future. Yeah, Hot Streak was coming out of Space Battles 9 so bad that Virgil and Richie stayed away where they're like, that one was awful. That was the worst one yet. Did y'all predict Rise of Skywalker? (laughs) (laughs) It's funnier because they were both episode 9. (laughs) Exactly! I was like, this... No. Yeah, I had Nostradamus (laughs) in the back. (laughs) What bang baby out there got future seeing powers? We need to know. <laughs> yeah, because come on, how did you know? And in <laughs> so in any case, as they're sitting in Burger Fool, they notice on TV that how Hot Street's gone so crazy over the bad reviews, as I'm sure fans, if they had fire powers in real life, would have done. And <laughs> Virgil and Richie immediately leave by making them an excuse. Shanice slash Shebang that was there makes up an excuse. Daisy's like, did I say something wrong? Everyone's just leaving. (laughs) And they open up a battle with Hot Shriek with one of my favorite lines where Shanice comes in a shebang and is like, why are your pants sagging like that? Yeah, (laughs) come on. That that's Shanice, how old are you, girl? You out here with the grandparent without like (laughs) method of just like pull your pants up, boy. Uh, so yeah, as as Shanice is able to grab Hot Streak, she's she very uh, she basically throws him into the pool of water that's nearby. Static and Gear recollect themselves because they were knocked out by one of Hot Streak's blasts. I mean, sorry, Francis's blast. He and this is when Gear is just like, you know what? We kept saying it. So Shanice or Shebang, would you like to join us for as a member of our team? And then there's a little bit of back and forth intention here because at that moment, Shebang's just like, that's funny. I was going to ask you guys to join my team. And this immediately sets off Virgil. Uh, Fortunately for Static, though, uh, this is when all the people from the news reporters and everybody starts coming by a little closer. And Shebang's so worried about being seen on the news that she ends up accidentally dropping one of these heat-resistant gloves that she had on as she tries to make her getaway. And now Static and Gear are left to just deal with the news reporters. But we don't see much of that as we immediately hop on over to the home of Shanice. Her parents are in the room as she enters. And this is when they front her about being Shebang, which leads into a really big blowout between the 
all of them. Yeah, it's it's now more clear than ever that there's something else going on here that they just don't know about. And unfortunately, before we get the full extent of what's going on, Shanice gets kidnapped and by the people who tracked her by just a glove. Like what technology do these people like? How do you even do that? Because, again, it's it's add this to the list of people who need to get out of the evil or superhero business and just start patenting these things because y'all could be making (laughs) mad the bank you could make on such location software you you could be really you don't have to do any crime anymore so Virgil arrives too late and but he does find out that Shanice was born in a lab Uh, she's not a bang baby and Basically, her parents, her so-called parent, were scientists who were trying to create like these perfect metahuman beings. And once they found out that they were going to have to make more of these just endlessly to be essentially soldiers, they decided, nah, we're not going to do that. And they took Shanice and they went into hiding, which is a pretty cool and hardcore origin story, Shanice. Yeah, that I I loved it. It you know it you know despite being genetically engineered as she was calling it, you know it's very Smallville esque to me. It's like we have the parents who love her so deeply, want to protect her kid who wants to be the hero, but knows that she has to hide her abilities and hide her true, like just really fly under the radar so low that she can't make any waves. Like even just the bowling thing, it's just like anyone would have been proud to at least that's just like a stroke of luck for some people. And I'm pretty sure with time, she could probably train herself to to be able to get to that down to that certain kind of level. But like, it's just so cool to see that Shanice is not a bang baby. Like, you know, we, but we have all these stories of all these different characters coming through, but kind of having her not be a bang baby was really cool just to add into the, all right, we're expanding how people could get powers now. But as they're discussing how Shanice got her powers, this is when Static and Gear over here, a car coming by. It's the same surveillance van that's been tracking Shanice. And they try to now kidnap the um, the Veils. So this is when Static and Gear jump into action. They're able to take down the people in the van. They are also able to hack into the van, courtesy of Backpack. Shout out to the number one technology piece of all time. And they are able to find out that Shanice is being held at an airfield, which we immediately jump to where she's trapped in carbonized steel by the same guy that's been tracking her since the very beginning. Yeah, you know, he's we're talking so much about Star Wars, but, you know, they just keep setting these up for us. And they it's up now it's up to the boys to pull in and and get Shanice out of this situation. And I do like this action set piece where Virgil has to catch up to a plane that is taking off and Mm -hmm. he is able to use his power to essentially boost himself like a jet engine and catch up to the plane just in time. And even when he gets on the plane, he is immediately uh, restrained by the bad guys and has to quickly break out shebang to take over. So I love this handing of the torch, this, this like, extreme use of his powers i love all of this everything about this action sequence yeah i agree and i i love that 
and it, it just shows how much more speed that we've never seen Static have. Like this, this was probably top speed for him, mainly because he's shooting off like a rocket a lot of times. And as he's finally able to get into the plane and they're able to take down the guy who they just, oh yeah, yeah. They, I thought for a second they threw him out the plane and I was just like, no, 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 they didn't go that far. <laughs> they only, they were able to magnetize into a set of ropes that were nearby. And this is one of my favorite uh, lines in this episode where Static and Shebang are headed on over to the pilot. They say, you got two cranky teens, superpower teens here with no in-flight movie and no popcorn. What are you going to do? And the pilot says, I'm already on my way turning back. Like, we don't need to go any further than this. Yeah. You know, that pilot worked for Spirit Airlines. <laughs> he did. Like, he's used to hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> so now that uh, Static and Gear are on the ground, they're with Shanice and her family. They have decided to actually start talking to the proper authorities to finally take down the organization and the company that has been chasing after them this whole time. So now they're saying that they're going to put her in witness protection until they can finally take down everybody and with the hopes that they one day do are able to return to Dakota. Yeah, and, you know, they don't have much time, so Shanice just gives the boys some kisses goodbye on the cheek and then, then you know, disappears into the ether. That ends Shanice's involvement in the series, but the the boys learn not to make so such assumptions about new people. Some a fact that will come to play in our last episode of the day, usual suspect. Yeah, we're back at the Hawkins household. It's been a couple of days or maybe weeks since their trip to Africa because we see that Sharon's come through wearing a daishiki. She is um talking about the fact that. Her trip to Africa has really changed her and her mindset because Virgil's hungry and she's like, I'm no longer cooking food for you because all you ever do is just diss my food. So why should I make myself unhappy for your happiness? I love it. I mean, I don't exactly know what that had to do with her going to Africa, but (laughs) me neither. (laughs) I can't argue with that logic. So Virgil's now hangry at school. He's complaining about how Sharon isn't doing anything and how she left to go um, to be a part of her internship program, her counseling internship program. Um, Because, yes, as we remember from back in seasons one and two, Sharon's currently in school. She is studying psychology based off of the um, the Attack of the the Living Brain Puppets episode. But as Virgil's just continuously complaining about it he ends up bumping into the most jack character i think we've ever seen in this entire series marcus reed thank you for handing that award because if you didn't i I would have had to also step in and second that (laughs) and i do quickly before we go on to to marcus virgil and richie do have a conversation about family trees and heritage and virgil says to Richie that his family tree is essentially one big potato. (laughs) (laughs) The savage insults are not just for the villains, guys. But yes, now (laughs) their conversation about Richie's family tree is interrupted by bumping into Marcus. And, you know, he's he's big, he's tough, he's intimidating. Virgil again, oh my God, he's so savage in this episode, saying, is he in high school in the 10-year plan? I'm like, bro... Why are you doing this? <laughs> but 
we do find out that Marcus is has come out of juvenile detention, has had some kind of incident in his past that got him there, and everyone is pretty much wanting to stay out of his way. Uh, but we don't get a chance to see how well everybody stays out of his way because we jump to later in the night. There are two cops investigating the break-in, and they are immediately attacked by something that they assume is a bang baby. And we get a chance to see what it is. It's this uh, hulking mask wearing basically just ripped clothing that attacks one of the officers. And um, this immediately leads us to the report coming out about the um, about the attack. As we have number one news reporter Shelly Sandoval who tells us about the incident. And this may basically just like flights of fire in Richie's brain about how one, the cop that was attacked happens to be the same cop that brought in Marcus leading to his juvenile record and the rest. Yeah. So they, they do make the assumption that, yeah, this, the new meta on the scene that is stealing, that is causing trouble, attacking cops. It's gotta be Marcus. And you know, this is this is where they, you know, they've jumped to the conclusion easy. And and what's interesting about this is that in this is how most static episodes typically go. But we usually see the meta committing the crime. And this is the first time we don't see the transformation or the, the evidence line up. So, you know, they're piecing this together from the information they have. And as they're trying to sort things out, they realize that a meta is showing up somewhere else. And so they fly over to Mr. Cop Mustache and have a conversation. What, what was this mustache <laughs> this cop had? The handlebars. Why Why were they yeah. necessary? <laughs> <laughs> they just took me out of the whole scene. And another minor thing here is that the cops were seemingly unaware of who Gear was. Yet they did meet him in episode four. So minor continuity thing. I'm pretty sure it's just an issue of being aired out of order. But that, that was the one small thing I did notice. Uh, I mean, unless it was intentional, because Gear did show us that he has printed out business cards for himself. Um, so I have no idea what his plan is here, what number it calls to. But anyway, as we are hurt. <laughs> Now at this auto show, Gear and Static are trying to take down the Bang Baby, who's now attacking them. It seems to be impervious to all of their efforts and all of their attacks. The only thing that does end up working, it seems, is that the monster does run away at the sound of all of the um, either the fire alarm or the smoke alarm going off. So as they try to catch up to him, unfortunately, Static and Richie both get taken down for a little bit as they head on outside. They find out from the cops, including, um, I don't know, Cop Stash, as I feel like we should call <laughs> yeah, Cop Stash. Cop oh, Stash. Great. That, um, that they did not see the monster even exit the building. So they're really confused as to what Virgil and Richie were even fighting. Static into just once again questioning, like, what is going on? What is happening? But we don't have a chance to really question more with him because we're immediately taken over to the community center where we see Marcus is getting counseled by Sharon. This scene took me completely off guard. I was not expecting again to be hit with something so deep. But Marcus and and Sharon talk about, you know, Marcus came from a rough background. He, you know, he, he had some issues. 
with his family. And he repeatedly says, like, my family did this to me. This is why I'm so angry. And Sharon says, then give up. And he's like, what? <laughs> and she tells him, if you buy into the gangster label, you defeat yourself. Move past the past because you have potential that you shouldn't throw away. Whoa. <laughs> the amount of people who need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. This is why I'm adding Sharon to the DLC pack because I was not expecting her to step up in this way. It reminded me of just like all those conversations you hear Jefferson Pierce saying in Black Lightning. Like, I almost got me jumping up saying, where's the future? And I was like, <laughs> Sharon, Sharon did a great job in this role. And I'm kind of glad that we got a chance to see a bit more depth added to her because for a while... It seemed like she was just like a, a, a side character, yes, but it seemed like her identity was getting more and more um, engulfed by either a rubber band man or just being the person that provides Virgil with food. But now that's no longer the case. Yeah, it is great to see her have her own agency and to, to be able to take ownership of what's going on. And her counsel really you, you can really feel like her counsel is getting to to Marcus and Virgil and Richie in their investigation into Marcus they decide to talk to Marcus's ex and she mentions another like another really like ongoing theme that I love to he- keep revisiting is that she says his anger issues basically started after the big bang you know, again, implying that there's some mental component to, to the bang baby gas that wasn't anticipated. And as she's getting into her new boyfriend's car, who who's blasting the latest music, you know, she mentions like, you got to turn that down because it's her sensitive ears and they head out. And I, <laughs> again, another great line where Virgil is like, <laughs> These are harder to get than front row tickets to a Little Romeo concert. <laughs> like what? These again, these lines they don't need to have, but they give us anyway. They really do. <laughs> Tamara, she gets dropped off. Uh, the, her boyfriend continues driving the car, and then this is when we see that the monster once again attacks. This time, attacking the the new boyfriend. She it takes him out of the car it starts and this is when uh, luckily static was able to jump in he's able to save uh, the new boyfriend unfortunately though as he tries to go and fight the monster the monster throws a bus stop at him and again disappears leaving virgil bewildered confused feeling hoodwinked duped all the all the feelings as um he shares this stuff with with virgil with um richie because they're at the community center, they're playing basketball, they're discussing once again that it, like, it does seem like Marcus is the monster, but they don't have any proof that connects it. Yeah, I do like that, you know, despite their building evidence, they're like, we have assumptions, but we need that proof. So they assume his power is connected to anger. So Virgil goes up to Marcus and damn, this guy, Virgil was going in. It was these these comments were so unnecessary. (laughs) Lord, he he needed to stop because the the whooping that Marcus was about to administer 
was could have killed our hero right here and now. He does not have super strength, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and once he has upset Marcus enough, Virgil does the, the flawless excuse. It still will work today. He's like, everybody look over there. It's J-Lo. And everybody turns, even the, the side characters in the <laughs> And uh, Virgil ends up running away, hiding under a bridge. And it's then that Richie calls him and says, you know, Marcus was in counseling at the time of, the, of one of the incidents. So he can't be the monster we assumed. And at that moment, Virgil gets attacked while he's out of uniform. Yeah, and this is a scary moment because one of the, the common themes that we've always heard from Virgil and especially heard a lot of in the latest set of episodes is that, or really in this episode, was that Virgil has the power to take down beings like this. However, he can't do so without revealing his identity as static. So he must do the only thing he can do and that's run. So as he's running away, he's on this carousel that the monster is able to, to like grab with his bare hands and throw it all the way down, which fortunately does give Virgil enough time to run away because at that same exact moment, uh, Marcus is still looking for Virgil in this park. And he heads on over and he comes face to face with the same monster, proving to us now with our own eyes, that Marcus and this monster are two different beings. Yeah, and at this point, we have the context clues that this is Tamara the whole time, that she felt scorned by Marcus, and she went down to the docks where he would, she thought he'd be, and got hit by the Big Bang gas. So now, due to this transformation changing her body, she's held that anger and wanted to frame Marcus by setting him up. And, you know, her her reasoning and her rationale is expressed in a come on line where to say, come on when I hear it because it's so good. And she goes, you have no idea what it was like to live with a monster inside you. And you just see Marcus look at her and you you, you can tell you can tell. Yeah. And fortunately, Virgil's able to change into his costume. He flies in. He's able to wrap the 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 metallic poles from the carousel around the monster's hands which then he uses the sound the music of the carousel to blast it to a point because remembering that tamara has um sensitive ears he puts it to the point where she ultimately passes out and this is where we kind of wrap up our episode the cops have arrived the medics have arrived to take her away and there is one cop in the background who I feel like has the best line in this episode because he's just basically directing what needs to happen. He's just like, yeah, we got to move this carousel back. I don't know who, who's going to do it, but it sure ain't going to be me. I can tell you that right now. And this is like, why was that added? And why do I love it so much? <laughs> because I think after the shoddy construction we've seen throughout this series, <laughs> what? <laughs> Even down to the basketball hoops in Dakota, I think they were like, now the police has to do some construction work. And they're like, oh, we're not passing the buck here. Yep. <laughs> but before we get out of here, Virgil does go up to Marcus because he does have some things he needs to say. We 
here Virgil actually apologized to Marcus for everything that he said to him recently in this whole in the in the the last couple of minutes but also kind of like having the assumptions that he had about him and thinking that he was the one that was the monster and this is when Marcus drops a truth bomb on us and we'll teamed up with Sharon here who's also present because she's his counselor Marcus says that when he heard Tamara say that he doesn't know what it's like to have a monster inside of him he was like I do and this is when Sharon drops yeah you do know that but the difference between your monster and her monster is that with the work that you're doing right now your monster can disappear and again Sharon I'm really proud that they're able to include her in this way because she's I'm finally glad that you saying they, they finally gave her the agency and the just like some more depth to her character um unfortunately though Virgil is gonna get a chance to see firsthand how much more of an impact that Sharon's gonna have because he makes one last comment that leads to her chasing him around, even though all the cops is present. And this is where we just kind of end our episode here on the light, fun note after everything that happened, but also just on a very impactful note as well. Yeah, I, I do love that, you know, they they bring it full circle. They they show the dangers of making assumptions and then make it clear that it's not easy. You know, yes, he's angry and that's right to assume that you're not you're not crazy to assume it but you also have to do your due diligence you have to look beyond the facts and such a deep message is probably going to you know make deciding of these of these the dlc pack what's what's the prime what's the prime of the dlc pack and 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 what could have used a little bit more expansion for you i think top tier for the dlc pack for me has got to be static in Africa. You know, it seems like a story that is a bit of a throwaway, but the last line really brought it all together for me of Virgil just standing there saying, you know, he wishes that he had a Black superhero like Anansi to look up to, or even for his own city to have a Black superhero like Anansi to look up to. And Anansi just being like, you are that person. Like that is something where it's just like more and more we get the chance to see a Virgil, um, even though he doubts himself, there are so many points that validates his cred. Also, just the fact that it's including Anansi in this like deep connection to uh, Black culture, because, you know, these are stories that are just been like enthralled in Black culture. And it's just awesome to see that they finally created a hero that kind of had that same connection. And for my worst episode, you know, this is a really tough one because um, Shebang and Usual Suspect are both really great, but I have to give it to Shebang only because I really enjoyed the message of Usual Suspect. Like, it felt like Shebang was mainly focused kind of like a backdoor pilot for her character, like her even leaving at the end, I w- it was like, I want to see more about that story. Or even like, it seemed like one of those stories where it was just like, you know what's going to happen. So you don't really need to see more into it. But also in that episode, I feel like Static and Gear took so many unnecessary L's. Like <laughs> we nerfed them completely 
if it except for that one scene when he's chasing the plane but it was just like static and gear getting taken out by inflatable balloons like a rocking chair and a and a cow just doesn't make sense to me three seasons deep yeah because when you establish in the previous episode that virgil can survive a rock avalanche, uh like a a, flo- a float balloon should for a parade <laughs> that we never see shouldn't really <laughs> shouldn't really be uh, that a big of a deal what time of year was that episode set anyway <laughs> um, i'm assuming that announcing was a summer vacation and shebang must have been on the fall or, yeah, or something <laughs> i think the dakota thanksgiving parade i don't know <laughs> um i i agree i think of this bunch shebang does too good of a job setting up unfortunately i think i think i was very much interested to see where shebang could go and i think she would have been a really interesting um thing to the dynamic similarly to how rubber band man can show Mm -hmm. up whenever he chooses to and doesn't necessarily have to be there all the time so i think they gave us a lot of time to invest in this character and they ultimately were just going to throw her off somewhere else and i think there was an opportunity to build a mystery around her of her origins and have her but they just kind of they just kind of glanced over it and i think that that was unfortunate i think they really had something here and i think though she does come back for two more episodes oh okay yeah i'm just not entirely sure exactly in what capacity i think one is to clean things up but i think that i i think they tried i think it got spread out too too much between the episodes yeah i yeah I suppose if we'll come back we can if she does come back in a good way we'll reevaluate but as it stands now it felt yeah. like we're just getting rid of her and it doesn't feel like her story really are really got completed because it was just kind of like i want to be a superhero and then you were and then you had to run away anyway, proving your parents were right. It's a mixed right. message there. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that ends up coming up short for me. And honestly, it's another thing where had an episode like Usual Suspect come out in any other week, it would be a forerunner for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Static in Africa, it's so important because it proves that the concept of Static works outside of the formula like he doesn't he's not tied to dakota you can take you can put him somewhere else by himself uh, with a with a hero with essentially a no-name hero to most people and he'll do fine he'll shine so i think that was really important to to see and of course the line about him being the inspiration to all is you know one of the most important lines in the series so i think Yes, that Static in Africa takes it narrowly over an episode, Usual Suspect, that it teaches about racial profiling, like how, like to the messages in that episode and just about anger and like putting away your past. They're still relevant. They're still important today. So, you know, these this is a good overall. This is a good set of episodes and very strong messages in each. But yeah, Static in Africa for the concept, for its its fun. And Anansi was so cool. <laughs> yeah. So um, cool. 
you just got to give it to them. Yeah, and I am glad that we finally got um, some more characters here to add, especially because now jumping into the comic book section, we really want to, I really want to focus in on these three characters. So, Andrew, if you had to assume, which one of these characters would you say has made a comic book appearance? Uh, it's it's got to be uh, Evil Black Panther, definitely, because... Uh... <laughs> you know how comics like to copy so i'm gonna assume him that is a close close one mainly because again the evil black panther i'll say here is designed very similarly to um the comic book design of the bronze tiger when he has on the uh tiger hat so and he also has the metal claw however the closest one that i can find would probably have to be the monster that tamara turned into Oh, interesting. Yeah, so their identities and the appearances differ quite drastically, but the the style, at least to which like the, how the transformation happens, is more or less the same. Um, there is a milestone character by the name of Payback, who is a part of the Shadow Cabinet. So I'm assuming here that uh, Payback was the inspiration for this creature, given the because of the name. It's like Samurai was trying to get some payback for it everything that Marcus had put her through. But uh, Payback or Kevin Franklin in the com- in the comics tried to actually stop the use of the big, the, the Bang Baby gas of when it was first used during the Big Bang. But the mayor was just like, no, we're going to move on with using it. And when he tried to get down there to warn the gangs about the use, this is when the Bang Baby gas turned him into this monstrous being that actually looked a little bit like the creature that we saw here in this episode. And he took on the name Payback because he wanted to get revenge on the mayor, whose name was Tomsina Jeffersonia. Uh, I kid you not. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> so he wanted to get Payback, which unfortunately led him to have to fight against like Icon and Rocket. So Kevin Franklin's first appearance is in Icon number two. He cooled down. Um, so you do see him pop up again in Static's Rebirth of the Cool from last week's episode about Static being kind of like having this little reboot. So that's kind of where I'm thinking this is like why Payback seemed to be the inspiration of the monster here and possibly even the storyline for the usual suspect. That makes sense. And I think it was done very well. Um, their upgrades to it, even though that is a cool storyline from the comics, I think. Yeah, there's a better villain to a better <laughs> person for payback to be fighting again. <laughs> yeah, like come on, Thomasina, come on. <laughs> Naming things isn't that hard. And uh, but payback is probably the closest that we have to a comic book character coming into this set of episodes. We do have uh, a Nancy who actually, because of the fact of him being in, well, not this particular character, but Nancy, the character, is a West African folklore character. This is why it's been an inspiration for many comic book characters in the past. Like, they're very similar elements to Spider-Man. And even in some one story, they assume that Spider-Man actually got his powers from Nancy because of their trickster ways. Uh, but DC has two versions of Nancy. This one here that we've seen. And there's also another version of Nancy that's a villain of the Justice League but is more famously known as being the being 
that gave Animal Man and Vixen their powers. I was going to say, where does Black Spider fit into this? That that Suicide Squad villain? <laughs> uh, nowhere. We still, I think the closest <laughs> that we got is just the fact that Josh Keaton voiced them both, <laughs> both him and Spider-Man. So that's the closest we get to a Nazi connection, I guess. But uh, for Vixen, uh, Vixen being the Black superheroine from Africa or really Detroit, uh, she... It is believed that Anansi was the person that was responsible for empowering the totem that she uses to channel those animal spirits. And we've actually kind of seen that. And actually, if you do watch the Arrowverse production of Vixen available on HBO Max and CWC, hashtag we are not sponsored. <laughs> and finally, Shebang is a Mayfair TV um, character. However, I mean, I feel like her character is a lot like how Batgirl was introduced in Batman, the animated series. Like, you know, she jumped in to save the day and it really kind of showed this like cool new character to add to this new dynamic duo that Static and Gear are trying to create here. But yeah, I guess that's also probably why we kind of um, ranked them in our own way in the episodes because like Anansi and the monster, um, they have like this possible connection to the comic book world. Shebang being brand new, this is a moment to try to create a story and get us to be connected to a story in like 20 minutes. But here we have a financi and payback. There's just like so much more rich history. So it's probably was just a little easier just to grab. It's like, all right, we can just elevate what we've already created. And that is our comic book stuff, um, especially because a Nazi just has so much of a rich connection to uh, West African and Caribbean culture, you know, very happy to know that our fact for this week is about those books because I grew up reading them and it might be why I'm so biased into liking a Nazi and Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, yeah, those those are Nazi fables. And uh, oh, my God, it's it it's classic. It brings back all these memories. And uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see them make such a cool character that hopefully, you know, we see more of mm-hmm. as they are bringing static into the 21st century again, hopefully through various productions. I think Anansi is a cool character to explore and a cool power set to, to mess around with. And yeah, I hope they take advantage of him being a Warner brothers and do that classic road runner tunnel trick. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, I hope to see more of this, this character in particular. Yeah. So as we hope to see the rest of the DLC pack coming through in a couple more episodes, except for the monster, we will see more Sharon, fortunately. Uh, that wraps up our episode here. Hope you all take care of yourselves. And remember that if you're about to bowl a perfect game, that your picture will be put up in the, the bowling alley. So I guess if you're not Shanice, just make sure that you're picture ready to, for your, your crowning achievement. Exactly. Get those looks served. And unless you are a true gangster, do not play around with lit dynamite. That's dangerous. And if you're not evil Black Panther, you'll probably die. So don't do it. 